Oh. Yeah. All right. Hey, there it is. Well, welcome, man. That was awesome. I love that song. Wasn't that awesome? Great praise tonight. Amen. Now, yeah. Thank you, Oakland Heights. Thank you, uh, Connect. Thank you, everybody. I can't say, what's the name of uh, Corey's? Cali Harbor. Cali Harbor. Har Harbin. Harbin. Okay, Cali. I don't know what that means. Cali Harbin. That's not a word in Missouri. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But, man, it has been awesome to be here this week. And I hope you guys are encouraging the Lord. And I love that. That last song was just, man, that stirred me up. And uh, there's a reason for it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Uh, we've been looking at these goals. And I know you guys have, uh, this, is like the, this is like the finale. And some of you are like, whew, finally. We, we ain't quite done yet. So hang on. Hang on as we finish this up. And uh, we've looked at the goals of discipleship, establish and worship the focus of our life, establish our disciples in the word, which is the authority of our life, establish the, in our disciples in the local church, which is the context of our life. And tonight we're going to see the need to be established in ministry, as you've already heard, which is the purpose of our life. Now, um, it's been a good week. I've been a lot of nostalgia, a lot of discussion of what God has done, you know, I hope there's some discussion of what God will do, but, but uh, really, as we think about this tonight, I, I don't want this to really be the conclusion. I want this to be the launch pad, right? This isn't, this isn't just what God has done. This is what God's going to do and what God is doing, and as we sung this song, it's a beautiful song to really launch into this message because the reality is, is that we are stepping into the story, Right? Part of discipleship is seeing yourself and understanding that when you get saved, that you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really your identity. Uh, and so when you look at, uh, of, uh, of, uh, at the scripture and you see Second Timothy chapter 2, your identity is laid out for you in several different aspects. And so it's so important as we look at the, as we look at the, the concepts and all these things that we're talking about in discipleship that we understand that we are part of the story. And what God is doing right now in our midst is, is bringing us into that story. And the way that we began, talking about worship, right? All honor, a lot, all praise is the way we end. And someday this will be caught up into heaven and we'll be doing this before the throne. And man, may it be multiplied. Uh, may there be people tonight that are uh, lost, dying, going to hell whose lives are absolutely transformed through the gospel. Their life has changed through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and his word as they become disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that make disciples. May that happen because we're here tonight, because we are focusing on the mission of God. We're focusing on what God is doing in our life. And, and I, pray that, uh, I pray that God goes forward from this conference, and it's not just another conference that we mark down. This is the inaugural conference. This is the first of many, because we expect God to do more work. And to do more work, he's going to need us to do the work. And there is work involved in seeing God's vision and his mission accomplished. So I ask you to turn to Ephesians 4. Let's look at the text. Uh, we're going to read this. We'll pray, and we'll bust into this last sermon and, uh, and uh, really launch out of here to accomplish God's work. Verse, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4. Brian already read it. Great testimony. Man, great, this has just been a great time, guys. Thank you, guys. It's incredible. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That... We henceforth, right, going forward, be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, 
from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you tonight. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to be a part of this conference that you have orchestrated. This is your church represented by the local churches. Lord, this is your will that we're exposing, that we're remembering, that we're reminding ourselves of. And this is your ministry that you have entrusted to us as stewards to replicate, to reproduce. And Lord, may tonight you stir in our hearts to take ownership of the mission, to, to get involved in ministry and to reproduce life by the life that you've given us. Lord, may we be uh, in a position to honor and glorify you with our life through the ministry of your word to other people. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So be it. So, years ago in our sending church, we had a understanding that every member was a minister, right? Many of you, I'm sure, in your churches, that's the, that's the, um, that's what you want to, that's what you want to have, right? And so we go off and we establish a church. We want every member in our church to be a minister, right? And the way that we've done that is try to replicate that through the ministry of discipleship. And, uh, and, and I think we've talked a lot about that this week. And so being established in ministry without a will to worship, it's not good, right? And so this, th- that is a minister who is sinister, right? You, you, this thing has to be yeah, it is, man. It, we talked a lot about it. If you weren't in the morning session, we actually looped back around and we talked a lot about that this morning, right? The, this, this issue of worshiping and spirit and truth is important because it's going to be manifest when we go out to minister. And we don't want to be a minister who's sinister, right? We want to be a minister uh, that God can use to multiply good fruit, right? Fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. So uh, we will see some of those fellows in the ministry from time to time. Um, and that is not a reason that, listen to me, that is not a reason to question or go back or even think about halting going forward in your walk with the Lord and your mission to make disciples. If anything, it should cause us to double down and do the work of ministry with purity, with honesty, with holiness, with reverence to Almighty God, right, with, uh, with our hand on the plow, a desire to see God's mission go forward, you're going to have ministers who are sinister. But may that not be you, right? May that be someone else. Let us have a pure heart. Let us make a decision that when we go forth to minister God's word, we do that with purity of heart. We do that with holiness. And, and we're not just here to be puffed up with knowledge, but we want to see charity manifest in the way that we minister God's word to God's people. Because why? We want to see this thing get some traction, right? We talked about that last night. Sometimes in the body there's friction, but when we have the grace of God upon our life, when the Word of God is dwelling in us richly, when we, when we are in a position where our hearts are right with God, then you know what that friction becomes? It becomes traction. And God allows that to propel us forward by His grace. And so if you are a sincere uh, Christian, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? You are, man... You're going to naturally serve him, supernaturally even serve him. And that's exactly what God needs. He needs you to be plugged in to the ministry, right? He is like the power that energizes a motor. A motor is no good. Electric motor is no good, right, unless it's plugged in. And we need to be plugged in to the Lord Jesus Christ so he can energize us in our ministry. His power in us should serve his pleasure through us. I'll say that twice. His power in us, the Lord Jesus Christ, should serve, his, should serve his pleasure through us. Not my pleasure. I like what Brian said. He's like, man, ministry. You know what Brian said? God has taught me through the study of his word and discipleship to walk by faith, not by sight. To trust God's word over how I feel. I mean, he, he was a, that was a tremendous testimony. You know what? He, he's allowing the Lord Jesus Christ and I know many of us can identify with this, to have, have your way, Lord. Oh, have your way, right? You're the, uh, you're the potter. I'm the clay. Just, just make me and mold me, right? And I don't know the rest of the song. Just, <laughs> just do that thing. 
So you can sing that one all the day long. All right. Maybe we should start a rap song, man. I, saw, I think I saw Trotter out there rapping the other night, man. You know, we could get a beatbox and a few things going. But anyhow, uh, so if you're missing out on the fullness of your salvation, yeah, you're like, there went the message. Yeah, I know. So if you're missing out on the fullness of your salvation, I'm sorry, you are missing out on the fullness of your salvation if you're not experiencing God's good hand upon you in, in the service of ministering the word of God to other folks, particularly making disciples. That's why we're here. So I'm going to give you some, some points tonight. First, let's, let's get into this issue of plugging into ministry. Why? Because it's our purpose. Plugging into ministry is our purpose. We need to be plugged in to the service of the Lord's work. Why? Because that's why God put us here. You are not going to be satisfied unless you know who you are in Christ, right? And then why God put you here. And I'll give you a quick uh, update. He put you here to serve him for his purposes, right? His good pleasure. And so he, is, he has his good pleasure in and through us. That's exciting. And so we need to plug into the power of ministry and those opportunities that God provides. The power of ministry is found, first of all, just like in worship, it's found in, you won't be surprised, a person. The power of ministry is found in a person. And that cuts through the, to the chase of why we do what we do. Who are we doing all that for? That's, a, that's good, because your motives are important. The power of ministry is found in a person. The first time you find minister in the Scripture is Exodus 24, 13. The Bible says in Exodus 24, 13, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. So Joshua is a wonderful type of Christ. I think we all know that. We've already talked about that. His, his name in Hebrew is obviously Jesus. Joshua joined Moses as uh, they went into the mount, leaving Aaron and Hur, and they, and they took the 70 elders of Israel, left them behind to tend to the children of Israel, and they drew even closer to the Lord. And so after seven days, Moses is called up into the cloud to appear before the Lord to receive the law. And the scripture says that Moses was up on the mount with the Lord 40 days in Exodus 24:18. And so Moses was absent for 47 days before God interrupts their communion. I mean, he's having a time with the Lord. Can you imagine if Pastor Joe, man, he's like, hey, I'll ca- I'm going to go into my study. He doesn't show up for 47 days. You know, I hope the same thing that happened in, uh, in Exodus doesn't happen around here. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it wasn't good. But he's up there 47 days, and then God, God interrupts their communion. It wasn't Moses. Moses is just all in. And God's like, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> Moses, we need to wrap this time up. Uh, I still got work for you to do. Hey, Moses, I- I'm having a wonderful time with you, but you got to get back down to the camp because while the cat's away, the mice have been playing. So Israel, of course, you know what the Bible says in Exodus 32.8 is they turned quickly. Man, I hate that. You know how quick we can turn? I mean, you could be on cloud nine tonight, and by tomorrow, man, you're in the valley. The devil, you're, you cannot trust your flesh, and you cannot trust the devil or the world, right? So, guys, keep it wired tight, because if you're serious about discipleship, if you're serious about ministry, you are entering a real war zone. So I just need you to be sober. These are kind of like cheerful moments, and we need to have them. We need to go, yeah, rah, rah, rah. I don't know all that either. Kick him in the knee. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> do all that. But the thing is, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But anyway, we, we, need, to have, we need to have moments of, uh, of ex- exuberance, man. This needs to be a catalyst, right? Not a conclusion. This should be a time where we come out of here ready to go. I know you're tired, but when you wake up tomorrow, man, I pray the Holy Ghost refreshes you. He brings it back to your remembrance of things, not just tomorrow, but throughout the year, throughout the years to come. For some of you, this could be a pivotal moment in your life, in your church's life, in the ministry's life. I mean, this is awesome stuff that God does, and we need it. But be sober and be vigilant because you're entering the real deal. There's a battle. So on the way down, right, we know that Joshua, the first minister mentioned in the Bible notices the noise coming for the camp. And he says, hey, Exodus 32, 17, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. 
There's a noise of war in the camp. Now, in a sense, do you know Joshua was right? He was right. Now, it wasn't the noise of physical battle that he heard. It was the noise of spiritual battle being waged among the people of God, and they were losing. It's not uncommon to find the battle raging for souls in the most festive environments. That's, there's, no, there's a reason we go to festivals to hand out tracts. There's a reason that we get involved in those things, because it's those, at those environments, oftentimes, that's where the battle's being won by the adversary. We need to get in there. See people come to Christ. So Joshua was right in a spiritual sense. There was a spiritual war that was raging. But it, that noise of war, of course, was them having a big party going on down there. So in Joshua's first mention, right, that we've talked about, we find the model minister and some attributes that we need to remember. If we're going to be ministers, there's some attributes here that we need to remember. Number one, Joshua's submission to the Lord. The minister, uh, the minister keep, kept the law because it was fulfilled in Christ. So the minister... Uh, keeps the law because it's fulfilled in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king is supreme or unto governors or unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for praise of them that do well. For so, for so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty... For a cloak of maliciousness, but as the, here it comes, servants of God, the ministers of God. You see, we're free to serve. It also, we're free to blow it if we want to. And Peter's like, hey man, don't do that. Take advantage of the opportunity and serve, submit. He starts with submit in verse 13, and he ends down there in verse 16 with serve. Right? Submit and serve. Submit and serve. Submit and serve. Joshua humbly served Moses and Israel his entire life. It's no accident that Joshua's name means Jesus, and it's no accident that your name is called Christ. Christian, right? You're a little Messiah. Your name is Christian. His name was Jesus, right? His name is Joshua. Your name is Christ. They were first called Christians where? You know, Acts eleven twenty six 26, in Antioch, right? That's a model church for our churches, right? That's, that's, that, that's transitioned out of Jerusalem. Now we're, in the, we're, we're, written, we're getting somewhere. That's where we're living. We all would love to be an Antiochian-type church. And so they, they're, they're, we're still called Christians within our churches, and Paul has made it clear in the New Testament that we are here in Christ's stead to do what? Reconcile men to God, right? He's given us the ministry and the word of reconciliation. We've got the ministry and the word of reconciliation. Christian, what was Moses up on the mountain receiving? The word. And where was he supposed to take it? Down to those folks having a party down there. And then there's this faithful minister, Joshua. 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Christian, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So instead of Christ, you're here, minister. Now think about that for just a moment. Because you can see this model in Joshua's location. So we have Joshua's submission to the Lord, but Joshua's location to the Lord. It's no accident that we find Joshua positioned between Moses on the mount, communing with God, and then he's between Israel, the people of God. And that will be the place of Joshua for his entire life as he finds himself a servant of God, the minister of God. And we know what 1 John tells us, right? Jesus Christ is our propitiation. He is our advocate, right? And we are also, because we're Christians, we're ambassadors. What are we doing? We're standing between God and his people. We're here to serve our entire life like Christ did. He gave his entire life to service, interceding on behalf of the Father for the sake of the Father's will. And that meant dying on the cross. It meant dying on the cross. If it meant training 12 disciples, right, he finished that work before he died on the cross. Right? So that's, that's exactly what we're here to do is we're to, we're, we're to be ministers 
here in Christ's stead, reconciling men to God. This is important as we look like, as we, this is important as we like Joshua are on a mission for God, but, it, but God doesn't call us to go alone, right? So, so we work with a rebellious and stiff-necked people. Amen. God has blessed us to serve them. God has blessed us to serve them. That's a blessing. The balance of ministry is, is, is going to the mount and being separated unto the Lord and then turning and going back to the people to serve them with love. See, we see this in the Scripture because what Moses was doing, man, picturing the law, you know that, Moses is a type of the law. Well, he couldn't get the job done. Jeff talked about it, I think, this morning or yesterday. Joshua, picturing the patience and the grace of our Lord and Savior, what did he do? He got the children in the promised land. Moses wasn't able to go in. Moses, picturing the law, was holy and, well, he was harsh. Oh, he was holy, all right, but he was harsh. He was holy and harsh on the children of Israel because, oh, they were knuckleheads. But he was frustrated by the immaturity and the stiff-necked nature of Israel, which ultimately frustrated him to the place that he offended God. Instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He smote it. And when he smote the rock, instead of speaking to it, Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12, he messed up the picture of Christ's redemption, and he found himself outside the promised land like Israel. Why is this? Why is this? Well, for all of us, we know we all fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3, 23. It's the basics. But what is the law? It's our schoolmaster. Where does that lead us? We know Galatians 3, 24 and 25. It leads us to Christ. The law is great, but it wasn't enough at length. We needed Jesus. Our propitiation to close the chasm between perfection and holiness and the holiness of God and the, and the law so that the purposes of God's will and plan in our life could be worked out. So Joshua was not like Moses. In that, he, was, he, he found himself between God and the people, but he was patient. He waited 40 years before he saw them enter the promised land. And you know in the book of Hebrews, what's Hebrews teach us in the New Testament? Jesus is better than the law. Hey, Joshua, Moses was awesome. I'm not taking anything away from Moses. I'm telling you, Joshua's better because he's a type of Christ. I like Moses too, though. He's my man. All right. So, so we see this fulfilled in Christ, though. He lived his human as a human for 33 and a half years, and then he was cut off. Patient as he continues to be, to draw all men unto himself through the church age and the fullness of the Gentiles, then right on time he catches the church up and he will minister seven more years with Israel, fulfilling Daniel's 70th week, then return victorious to give Israel their promised land for good. Why? Because it's all fulfilled in Christ. And it's pictured in Joshua. Now, if you want to be a minister, I'm going somewhere, so hang tight. You must be patient you, want to be, you need to be like the person who's patient with you. You're going to have to be patient with others. A minister of Christ is going to have to be patient. Because, man, isn't God patient with us? Aren't you glad you're not under the law? If you were, you'd be dead. You'd have no hope in Christ <laughs> because you'd already be dead. And so we're here to give people hope. We are here to get... Now, I'm not saying, uh, you know, do what you want. You know, God is the judge. I like what Jeff keeps saying. That's not in my pay grade, meaning uh, God will judge it. Uh, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, right? So we don't want to turn grace into lasciviousness. I do want to be very clear about that. But there is a, a real reality here where as, as ministers of Christ, we've got to be patient. And the only way to fulfill the Great Commission... Man, is to love like the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart. you got to love people or you're not going to be a good minister. That's just all there is to it. Oh, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I love the Word of God. Man, you know all the stuff I know about God's Word? I can't wait to teach you. Man, you're going to get, I don't know who you're going to get. You might get a poke in the nose, pal, right? And so... No, it ain't going to work very well for you. Matthew 22. You guys know this. Verse 39. 
right? Moses, now he served the nation of Israel. But Jesus not only had a love of God the Father, he loved the people as well. In Matthew 22, verse 39, it says, And the the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. It's a great commandment, right? We got the great commission, the great commandment, and the great invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest, right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that passage. So there's a great commandment, a great commission, a great invitation. And so God gives us that. Why? Because we're ministers of the gospel. We're ministers of the word of God. Now Joshua's uh, duration in the Lord is also important. Uh, Joshua was consistent over time. And Jeff spoke about that this morning when he was talking about the virtue and and the the fruit, right? You, You can go backward. You got to, it's, it's, right, we're saved under good works, Ephesians 2 says, and you can check out if you choose to. And, and then the description, that one that was virtuous may not be virtuous anymore, right? He was consistent over time. After all his work to ensure Israel was in the promised land, he made sure that his house would serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether it be the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what are we going to do? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Minister to the Lord. We're going to make sure the person is in priority. We're going to serve the Lord, and that's going to be reflected in my house. Now, if you're a pastor, that's going to be reflected hopefully in our home. It's going to be reflected in our church house. We're going to serve the Lord. It's a commitment. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that we say as a minister, I am committed to serving consistently over time. I'm going to be tenacious about this. I'm not going to let go of this. I'm not going to let something distract me. Even when bombs go off spiritually, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to keep my vision pure. I'm going to take the word of God over how I feel. I love what Brian was saying about that because if you're going to be a successful Christian, you've got to get to that point where you really trust God and walk by faith, not by sight. Or maybe I should say walk by faith, not by feeling. A lot of people think walking by faith is feeling. You've got to get that worked out. Man, when I, was, I used to go out on the circuit and preach, I, I had some of the, the worst feelings I've ever had in my life right before I preach. I've had some of the gnarliest nights, just like the most insecure feelings and thoughts and the craziest stuff goes through your head. Why? Because God's getting ready to do something. And so what do you do? You stay the course. You walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joshua never stopped serving the Lord. He was consistent from the first day into the last. Joshua died at 110 years old with the title. You know what this title was? Anybody know? The Servant of the Lord. That's his title. It shouldn't be like the Grand Poopaw or something awesome. No, hey, if we can get to heaven, and our title was uh, Brian Christian Hedges, the servant of the Lord. woo I mean, that's it. The minister of the Lord. From beginning to end. What did he do? He served Moses. He learned from Moses. He was a faithful disciple. Once his mentor moved off the scene, who did he serve? He served the Lord. And when we get to the end of his life, it's looking pretty grim. He knows he can see judges on the horizon, every man doing that which is in his own eyes, not for lack of trying, not for lack of setting up, setting up the infrastructure, not for lack of getting everything ready for the kingdom to expand. And he says, you know what? I can't control what y'all do, but I guess what? Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He gets the title. I'm, he's a servant of God. Is that the title that you want? Then it's got to be the title that we live. If our entire life is noted for nothing else but being servant of the Lord, you've had a great life. He was not a minister of Moses, but he was a minister of Moses. He wasn't the general of Israel, but he was a general. He was a captain. But he was a servant of the Lord. So if you're just getting started in service to the Lord, note that Jesus is not a shooting star. Right? He's, a cons- he's consistent over time. He is credible, not only because of who he is and what he's done, but also because he never leaves us or forsakes us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you've got a partner in crime. Oh, no. You've got a partner in ministry. 
right? So if you had a partner in crime, you know, they, they, they don't, you can't depend on your partner in crime, but you can depend on the partner in ministry. And then if nobody stands with you, he'll stand with you. Why will he stand with you? Because he's in you. Amen? He'll stand with you. The question isn't, will he stand with you? The question tonight is, will we stand with him? That's what we got to determine in our heart. I have, a, I have a friend of mine open up to me a few years back, and we started our race together in the Lord, and he wasn't doing too well. He's not in great sin, but he's a successful person in the eyes of the world, but he's miserable. You know why? Because he didn't serve the Lord. He served himself, and he literally cried because he couldn't, and he didn't, and he chose not to stay the course. We started off, all these nostalgic testimonies I'm telling you about. Guys, you young men and young women, or old men and old women, if you're young in the Lord, doesn't matter what your physical age is, you're going to start with people that you are just, you just know they're going to run the race with you. They're going to serve with you in ministry. They're going to be there till the end, man, because we're, we, we're, we're tight through thick and thin. But you know what? It doesn't always end that, that way. That's why you've got to be a servant of the Lord. And I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I am telling you, you've got to be sober about this because you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. So this friend of mine, true story, you know how it was. We used to drink a lot before I got saved. And, of course, I get saved. And the devil blessed me with some booze. But um, I ended up, I got, just like the other testimonies, man, I got a buzz and trying to witness and couldn't do it. I'm like, enough of that. I wasn't an alcoholic, though. I just like to drink and get drunk. So, um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, it was, I mean that with all sincerity. I know you guys think it's funny, but, I mean, I was just a weekend warrior. There are some people, and you know, and some of you, and I'm sure in this room this size, there's some of you, and I'm very careful with this, your alcohol has a control. You can't have a 12-pack and leave it there till next Sunday or next Saturday or next time you go to the drive-in. You gotta, it's controlling your life. It's a poison in your, in your heart even. And, and so I, I just want you to know we love you. And, and Jesus Christ does have the power to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, right? And this is the place you need to be so we can get you what you need to break every chain. So when I say that, I just, I am, I'm very clear for those that have alcohol problems. I was not an alcoholic. So when I, God took that away from me, just like cussing. I mean, just boom. Jeff was talking about that this morning. And so, you know, my buddy, he's still going out with the boys on the weekends. And I'm like, hey. I'm not going to say his name. I'm like, hey, friend, why don't, you, why don't you stop that? Oh, and this guy would literally cry. Okay, well, then let's go to church Sunday. I get there Sunday, and you know, I pull up. Let's go to church, man. Where you at? I'm tired. You know, I'm getting all frustrated, man. We got to go to school and win everybody to Christ, man. You got to get in the game, pal. Come on. So this went on for several weeks, right? I'm a slow learner. And then one day it occurs to me. The reason my friend's crying is because I'm badgering him. He's not convicted over his sin. He's just guilty. He doesn't really want to serve the Lord. He just doesn't want to tell me that he wants to live for the devil. So guess what I had to do? I had to serve the Lord. Before it was over, I only had one person that really stood with me at that time. And I was the, I mean, I was the captain of this and that, you know, wrestling team, football team, all that. And no one was willing to stand. So, you know, that's the way it goes. 40, or not 40, so fast forward the tape, 30, almost 30 years later. This guy calls me up. Ring! No, that doesn't work that way anymore. It's like, dee 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 dee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and dude, I'm sorry, I shouldn't call you dudes. Uh, y'all, I'll do it. <laughs> Where's Trots, man? Y'all? <laughs> 
Y'all? <laughs> Can I steal that? May I use that? I'll give you credit, bro. <laughs> Y'all? Um, he was really crying this time. Really crying. Because his life is, you know, he's going to be dead in 20, 30 years. Where did it all go? Was he really saved? I used to think, well, I don't think he's saved. He won't serve the Lord. Now I'm wondering, well, maybe he is saved. He's just not serving the Lord. I don't know. I just know this. He's wasted his life. And servant of the Lord is not his title. And I don't feel good about it. I want you to know that. I don't feel justified. I don't feel like I've done anything. So I want you to be clear on that, too. I'm not, I'm not telling you that story. I'm just, for that reason, I want you to understand, guys, it's heartbreaking when people have opportunity and don't seize it. It's heartbreaking when God assembles this kind of mojo, right? He gets some things going on. He wants this not to be a conclusion but a catalyst. He wants this to be a launch pad. He wants this to be the inaugural conference of a movement of God to make disciples. And folks just say, well, you know, that's pretty cool. I'm going to check out because I love my flesh. And don't, hey, what's the Bible say? Consider yourself, Brian Hedges, lest you also be tempted. Because it ain't what I did last week. We've got to be looking to what God wants us to do this week. So one of the things that Paul commended the church at Philippi for was their consistent fellowship in the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every, every prayer of mine for you all, Man, Mark Trotter. <laughs> That's biblical. Making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, from the first day, from the first day until now. Man, I don't care if you got saved last week, last decade, last century. Man, praise God for the fellowship we've had in the gospel from the first day until now. Praise God for that. It's his goodness to us. Being confident, right? Not just stopping, not just concluding the conference, but being confident of this very thing that he which hath, hath performed a good work in you will what? He will perform it until the day of Christ. Beloved, we're on a mission, man. This story, I want to tell you my story, right? It's all wrapped up in Jesus and it's taken us somewhere. Don't lose sight of that because there's all kinds of bombs that are going to go off. There's all kinds of distractions. There's all kinds of people that get blown up along the way. And, man, you, we've got to serve the Lord. We can't help what Achan does. If he wants to hide some Babylonian garment in his tent floor, God will judge it. All we can concern ourselves with is saying, Jesus, where do I need to go? Put me in rank. Put me in file. Put me in the ministry. Please let me serve. Let's advance the kingdom of God for the glory of God. So if you're here now, if you're tracking with me now, if you're here and present and, and, and you're accounted for tonight, beloved, that is because God has something for us until the day of Christ. And so you are enlisted, you are recruited, and we're going forward. And I hope you stay on board. So the power of ministry, man, it's found in a person, but don't forsake prayer. It's found in prayer to the Father. Ministry is going to drain you, whoo, because it drained Jesus. I'm not better than Jesus. Luke 8, verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? I think we mentioned that this morning. When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master... The multitude throng thee, impress thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? I mean, what are you talking about? Verse 46, and Jesus said, somebody touched me, and I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Let me put a parenthesis here. Go back and listen to what Jeff said this morning. It's good. John 4, 6, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey. We talked about this, right? What was he? We were talking about worshiping. Sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. 
Now, you know how that story went, right? He was endued with supernatural power. Tells his disciples, hey, I got meat <laughs> you know not of. It's to do the will of the Father. Right? We know what we talk, I quoted last night concerning the Word of God. His Word is, it's not just the Word itself is more precious than our necessary food. It's, in, in this case, it's doing the Word, right? Doing the will of God. I got to do what the Father asked me to do. Because you know what? When you do that, there is a drain. There's like a plug. What happens when you get filled with the Spirit is you get drained. And that's why it's so important to fill up. Are you putting this together? No? Let me me restate this for you. You see, it's so important that you can feed yourself. That you have a relationship with the Father in heaven. Because when you endeavor to minister, you will be drained. And you can't wait till next Sunday. There's too much space. You got to get back in the book today, tomorrow. Right? You got to get you got to get filled up. You got to get connected up. Otherwise, your battery's going to be drained, and you're not going to be useful. And this is a war. Oh, time out. I'm tired. You ever been in a real fight? You know what happens in a real fight? You know what happens in a real fight? Who wins? The one who, that's right, the one who doesn't get tired. That guy's been in a real fight. <laughs> when I was, I used to, I started wrestling as a freshman in high school, so I was a little behind the curve. You know what I emphasized a lot in my own personal life was exercise. Because I, if I could just endure the battering for the first few rounds, man, first few uh, minutes, actually, a couple of minutes, get that guy worn down, then maybe I could figure out how to put a half in and turn him over. But a lot of it's just about being refilled. Prayer is important. The way to fill the cup is to meet with Jesus, not run from Jesus. See, this is the quandary we get in when we go off our feelings instead of the faith. You're not feeling it now, right? Because, why well, you're draining, man. I just need to check out. Oh, no, no. Whoa, hold up. We're talking about ministry. The time you feel like you need to check out is when you need to check in. I'm not saying with more activity necessarily. I'm saying you need to check in with Jesus and be honest with him. Go to prayer and say, Lord, I feel like checking out. I'm exhausted. You know, he's going to say, I know how you feel. I'm weary, too, with all this. No, he might tell you that, but that's between me and him. Anyway, (laughs) but he'll speak to your heart. And you're not a cowboy, baby. So you do need the local church. You need to be in fellowship, right? You need to be with your discipler. And disciples, be sensitive to that. I remember as a young disciple, I was just down. I was feeling depressed. My emotions were jacking with me. It was, it was about the same time as I was t- talking about this other deal. And, and I went to someone in the Lord I loved, and I just, I, I just showed up. I'm not a just shower-upper, by the way. If I show up, there's usually a reason. So I just showed up. I, you know, even then I didn't have time just to show up. I'm usually going somewhere. So... I show up, and my dis- the, the person missed it. I was just needing something. I wasn't quite sure. So it was your discipling people, and they just show up. You know, they're just hanging there, and you're like, what are they doing? What are they wanting? They don't really want you. They want Jesus. So if you have a little extra bread, you might feed it to them. Even a dog likes the scraps. And fill them up if you can. Because can we can get weary. We need each other. We need the word. We need prayer. We need each other. In Luke chapter 6, it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray. Verse 12, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto his disciples and of them, and he chose 12 whom he named apostles. Jesus was known to get away to pray. So when Jesus checked out, what was he doing? He was checking in. He didn't just check out. I'm going to go to the lake. Hey, there's nothing wrong going like maybe you need to go fishing, but while you're fishing, check in with the Lord. John, uh, Jesus, uh, not John, Jesus refilled his tank in personal, private prayer. In Mark chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and, and when they had found him said unto him, all men seek for thee. That's 
heavy, isn't it? The problem is they didn't want what he had to offer. The disciples of Jesus didn't want to know his ministry secrets or how to preach. The, rela- the relationship and prayer of Jesus was so anointed, they simply wanted to learn how to pray. And it came to pass that as he was praying a cert- in a certain place, he, he ceased. And one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. Maybe we need to say that. Maybe when we get tired and we're worn out, it's a time for us to say, hey, Lord, teach me to pray. I want to serve you. Man, I'm, Moses was up there for 47 days. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach me how to check in when I feel like checking out. Teach me to pray and not to faint. Seek the power of ministry through prayer to the Father and having a personal relationship with the Son. Okay, you get that point, right? You need to plug in. You need to plug into the power of ministry. You're going to get that in that person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, plug in with the people of ministry. Ministry is not designed to be done alone. All the way through the scripture, you see ministries performed in partnership. In Genesis, before the fall, when God had a job for Adam in the garden to reproduce sons of God in a perfect environment, he needed a help meet, a partner in ministry to accomplish God's will. The second time the word ministry is found in the scriptures, Numbers 447, it is in reference to the Levites who served the Lord in, in the service of the tabernacle. They did this in groups. Uh, they did this in course, right? When Jesus called the 70 and the 12 and the inner three, they were called, trained, and sent in groups, no smaller than two by two. The first mention of the word ministry in the New Testament is Acts 1.17, and it is the reference to filling the hole, right, that was left by Judas when Matthias filled that 12th apostle role in Acts 1.17. In 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul is encouraged by his son in the Lord, Timothy, to take John Mark, right? John Mark, of all folks, with him as he is now profitable for the ministry. There's a little example of where some friction became traction, by the way. And so, just as God draws us together in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he also partners us for his purpose with others in the body through ministry. I gave you a great example of that yesterday, if you were here. Man, he partnered me with somebody that absolutely was going to bust me down supernaturally when I found out who they really were in Christ. It's like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Sometimes they'll partner you with people just to convict you. Because they're, they're good examples. But God puts you in partnership with people on purpose. I've ministered with people that in other scenarios, I'm like, uh, and I don't want to say names, but I'm like, okay, whatever. But I've absolutely seen in, in the ministry that we were doing a, a supernatural anointing. I don't know if you've ever been with people like that. And they may be some insurance salesman. They may be this. I used to minister with a guy. He taught me so much about counseling. We were working in a mission environment in the inner city of Kansas City. and He'd sit down to, to minister to these, these guys that had come to the altar call. And, man, he would be so rough on them that I'm, like, beginning to advocate for them. I'm going to get between them and, the, and this guy because I think he's going to. I'm like, dude, just, just believe him. But you know what, God, this guy had so much insight because of who he was in Christ, the way he was developed. He would drill down and drill down and drill down. Next thing you know, they're bawling and confessing their sin. Why? Because he had some discernment I didn't understand. God had anointed him, man. He was a gifted vessel in the body of Christ. That was exactly where that guy needed to be in the ministry. And one of the reasons he needed to be there was to show me not to just believe everything you hear. Right? And it was a great example. God couples you with people in the ministry to perfect you, right, to complete you, to help you grow. And you know what? If everyone's just like you, you're not going to grow very much. The diversity is what is the strength of ministry, man. You serve with people who aren't like you, and it grows you, and it develops you, and it stretches you. Oh, this is the main thing. It humbles you. It humbles us. The incredible relationships we have in missions, in our fellowship of churches, and the relationships are varied, but that's what's, isn't it so beautiful just to come together and you got an inner city feel going on at Harvest and you got, you got whatever's going on down at Midtown, you got whatever's going on here uh, at Oakland Heights, you've got this going on, what's Corey's church's name? Callie Harbin. 
Someone's going to have to Google me the definition of that. And, and, and so you got all this going on. Everybody's got their diversity. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it, it is. Though you can be lonely at times, there are times you need to be alone with God. Ministry is never meant to be accomplished, though, in isolation. When God needed to encourage his prophet Elijah, who felt isolated and alone, what he did is reminded him, hey, there's 7,000 folks that haven't bowed the knee. Right? They haven't, they haven't bowed to Baal or kissed him. First Kings 9, 19, 18. So ministry rides on the rails of relationships, right? Who, quote, who should I attribute that to? Alan Shelby, right? I got another one, though. Is Randy Foster in the house? If I quote this wrong, scream it back at me, Randy. Fellowship follows on the heels of ministry. Right. Okay, got it right. Give me a thumbs up. That's, that's one that Randy... So fellowship, right? It is true. So ministry rides on the rails of relationships, but fellowship follows on the heels of ministry. We've actually structured our ministry around that. We've got things called ministry groups, and the reason we call them ministry groups is because we recognize that fellowship, it does follow on the heels of ministry. I don't... We, we've got to... Where are you going to find your best small group in the church? In ministry. As you go out and go to war together. Man, that's going to be a great small group. That's where your fellowship's going to be. Uh, naturally occurring, supernaturally happening in your life. You'll, you will sometimes hear people joke that ministry would be great if it weren't for people. Those are words spoken mainly by cynical pastors. No, I'm just kidding, sort of. All right, so people can be, can be a discouragement, there's no doubt, if you allow carnality to take you off mission. And that's, that sounds easy, but it's not always as easy as it sounds. So if you stay on mission, stay focused on the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and continue to offer a great invitation, you know what? You'll never be discouraged for long in ministry, but we all face discouragement, let's be honest. We don't get involved in ministry for fellowship. We get involved in ministry for worship. Okay? We, we don't get involved in ministry for fellowship. We get involved in ministry for worship. And the blessing of that is fellowship. And so if we can keep that lined up, we'll be fine. It's when, worship, it's when we worship God and obey the word of God that we find the fellowship with the people of God to be so sweet that we can't get enough, right? We can't help participate in ministry in the local New Testament church because, man, God has blessed us with this sweet fellowship because we've entered into worship. Well, Brian, I just don't like that person. Well, I pray that you grow up. Because I used to be just like you. You mean I like me? Well, I pray I grow up. I don't know. But the, the thing is, is this. Seriously. A lot of that's just maturity. It's just maturity. Some of the most productive ministry I've ever participated in was accomplished because God yoked me with people I did not like. But he loved. And some of those are my best friends in the ministry of this day. I mean, we're not talking about casual acquaintances. I mean, people that would die that you can go to battle with. Can I get an amen? So I'm not the only one that's experienced that? Okay, we got to finish up because this is like eight. And I'll be done. Plug into the place of ministry. You need to be in the place of ministry to get the tools of ministry. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. <clears throat> Not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but your sufficiencies of God, we also, uh, uh, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, and the Spirit giveth life. So let's go. The place to be is in Christ. The place to be is in the local New Testament church. The place to be in fellowship with believers who themselves are living epistles of the New Testament. So be here, right? Be in the local church. Point B, you need to be in the place of ministry to get the mandate for ministry. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know that verse. I'm going to keep moving. I've already quoted But Paul did not write this in a newspaper letter, right? He wrote it in the Word of God. Well, God gave us the Word of God. We're new creatures. He's called us to be his ministers. Point C, you need, to, you need the place of ministry so you can complete your course. All right, so you need to be in the place of ministry to get the tools of ministry. This is why we have a discipleship conference. The tools were laid out this morning. You need, to, you need to be in the place of ministry to get the mandate for ministry. That's what I'm doing right now. And then you also need to be in the place of ministry so you can complete your course.
2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Hey, man. You're like, well, Brian, I don't li- like Oakland Heights. I don't like Heartland Baptist Fellowship. I don't like Midtown. I don't like Harvest. I don't, well, I don't care what you like. Just get somewhere where it's biblical. Right? And then when you're mature and in charge, you can do your own thing. But submit in a Bible-believing local New Testament church somewhere under a pastor who loves God and His Word and minister to the Lord. Man, God will bless you. Run your race and finish your course. Okay, we got to be done, but i got one verse. Turn to Genesis 14, and I'm done. Plugging into ministry, it's our purpose. Plug into the, the power of ministry. Plug into the, with the people of ministry, the place of ministry. This is one of my favorite little passages in the Bible, Genesis 14, 14. Give you the backstory here. Sodom and the cities around uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and that region were under an attack by a Confederate army. This is kind of like a regional war going on. Title King of Nations was involved. This is a big deal. And everyone gets taken captive, including Lot. You guys know Lot, the nephew. Servants, ministers. What are they doing all day long? Tending sheep? Working for Abraham? Trained servants. In one verse, they take care of the problem. They go out and run them all. If you look at the Bible and find out where Dan is, man, they ran them all the way out of there. 318 trained servants. Ministers. What the church needs, beloved. I know you can get discouraged because we don't have a, you know, some big, huge thousands of people movement. But what we really need is trained servants. And that will put the enemy to flight. Because they're not scared of us. But I tell you what, the one who lives in us is a captain. He's the advocate. He's a propitiation. He is all we need, man. And we're his servants. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this time to meditate upon your word. Lord, I pray we would give ourselves wholly to it. Lord, I thank you for enabling us and counting us faithful and putting us in the ministry. Oh, Lord, may we be plugged in. Lord, may we experience the power of ministry. Lord, may we, uh, may we plug in with the people of ministry. Lord, may we plug into the place of ministry. Lord, may we be these trained servants for the kingdom of God's sake. If you would all stand with me in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather and to meet. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to swim around in your word and to meditate upon these things. Lord, we thank you for, for being tired from serving you, Lord. And I thank you for your ministers in this house this week, Lord. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for these that have given their life, Lord. And I pray that this would not be a conclusion, but, Lord, a catalyst, Lord, a place where we launch out to serve you. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that there would be not only a difference Lord, in our hearts, but Lord, even a difference, Lord, as you have called us to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, Lord, give us the grace to subdue the hearts of people, Lord, change the culture because of Jesus Christ and his presence and his power in our lives because we have been trained in the word of God, Lord, we know how to use the sword of the spirit, Lord, thank you for your local New Testament church, which is your God-ordained institution, Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of worshiping you thank you so much lord for the opportunity we have had to think about these goals of discipleship and may they grow and multiply in our lives with heads bowed and eyes closed nobody looking around right now maybe god is calling you out tonight and you just need to really 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 get serious with god by now i hope that you had been there started there but maybe not and maybe god's opening your eyes you're like man i need to really take this discipleship thing seriously if that's you tonight, man, you just say, hey, Brian, pray for me. God's speaking to me about that. Anybody? Maybe you're a pastor. 
Maybe you've realized that you're just driving the car around the block, man. You need to get in the business of God's war. Anyone at all? Thank you, brother. I saw that. Man, it's been a long week. I know you're tired. I don't really even know how to wrap this up. I, I could say come to the altar, but man, why don't we say let's go out and do it? Be strong and have a good courage and do it. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for the privilege of service in your kingdom. Thank you for calling us, making us holy. Lord, equipping us, giving us the vehicle to go. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for this church, for hosting this conference, and for all the work that's gone into it. And, and they have been a model of ministry to us. Lord, we thank you for their offering. Lord, I pray your best blessings upon them. And Lord, I pray as we go out, we would not be like the children of Israel, that we wouldn't go off and party like it's 1999, Lord, but we would be looking forward to that day when Christ takes us home, and we would be faithful, Lord, unto that day, because you brought us to this point right now. Oh, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name.